What is a cowboy? It's not about hats and horses. A cowboy is about courage, honesty, respect, integrity, strength, and truth. And when you put those things together, it spells Christ. And that's what being a true cowboy is all about, riding for the Lord. My name's Kevin Weatherby, and I want to be the first to welcome you to Save the Cowboy. You just sit back, grab you a cup of coffee, and get ready to learn how to ride with the Lord. If you've got your Bibles, uh, turn with me to uh, Genesis chapter 28. Genesis chapter 28. Two weeks ago, I told you a story about an email that I had got that a guy was kind of getting on to me a little bit because he didn't think that I was acting like a preacher should. And he put the phrase in there, what would Jesus do? Is this what Jesus would have done? And although I may have disagreed with him on that, it did bring up an interesting point, and I got to pondering on that a little bit. What would Jesus do? And so we talked about two weeks ago that Jesus would do the unexpected. That he, he always said things, he always did things that, that nobody thought. I mean, even the super religious folks and, and the Pharisees, they expected him to act a certain way. And Jesus showed them that that, that way that they were going was man-made stuff, not God's stuff. And then last week we talked about how Jesus would, would show off God's power. He would show off God's love for, for people in, in, in everybody's lives. And this week we're going to talk about the last thing. And it's not the last thing, it's just the last thing that we're going to cover. I don't think you could ever actually just come in and say, this is, this is all Jesus did right here. This is, you know, it just doesn't work like that. Also two weeks ago I told you a story about working sheep. And I'm going to tell you another little story of, of what happened during that weekend. We went out there on Friday and we were out there till Sunday. And um, anyway, so, so we get into this first pasture that we're, we're going to uh, gather. And, um, you know, if you've ever worked sheep, no sheep rancher in West Texas that I ever worked sheep for, they always carried 42 panels with them anywhere they went. Um, I, I guess they were uh, uh, they didn't want to fix up pins or anything. So uh, we were supposed to be horseback about six o'clock in the morning. I was sitting there right and had, had my shafts on and, and I, I was ready to go. And he said, "Before we go, we got to go build some pins." I'm like great. So so we, we didn't even get started building or gathering until about ten. And we got in this pasture and um, basically it was cut right in half with this big draw. And and I was taking the outside. And so what I was supposed to do is kind of stay on this side, and then I'd go down there to the to the fence, and then I'd cross the draw. And I'm telling you what, this draw was was as, as brushy a place as, as you will ever see. Um, it, it took me probably, honestly, about 45 minutes just to find a place to get down into the draw. And then I spent about 45 minutes looking for a place to come up out of the draw. And I was riding a horse called Nanner Puddin' that day. That is his cowboy a horse name as you will ever here in your life, Nanner Puddin', he was a Palomina horse. And, and finally, I couldn't find, I mean, without just going all the way back, you know, trying to stay in my little area, I finally found a place that, that I could get through, and um, it, had a, it had this branch that came across like this, and, and Nanner's a big horse. And so I thought, well, we're just going to try this. And so I got down, and I was trying to get Nanner through there, and he walked up and bounced the saddle horn up, and he looked at me like, you're an idiot. I was like, come on, Nanner, come on. And finally, Nanner hunkered down like this, and he walked underneath that deal. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty good right there. So I got on, and, and, and just I come up out of this deal, and there is like five and a half million sheep. I, I, I don't know how they all got in that pasture, but uh, it was probably my, my awesome cowboyness that, that they were there. I mean, I, they were multiplying right before my eyes. And so I got them started pushing the right way. And this rancher, God bless his heart, I don't know why anybody would put... He used this big pasture with this deal for, for his studs and his mares. And when me and Nanner come out, we just started getting those sheep going, and they were going so nice and pretty-like, and just in this nice little big fluffy white ball going down through there. 
And then we top this little bitty rise, and there's a stud with five mares. And that stud threw his head up like that, and Andrew threw his head up. And here come the stud and the mares, and they parted those sheep like the White Sea. <laughs> and they went seven million different directions. So I'm trying to beat a stud off of me with my reins, and trying to gather sheep, and, and, and these on, on the left, they were turning around like this, and they were trying to duck in behind me, so I'd lope Nanner over there while I was kicking a stud, and, uh, and I got those turned, and then I looked back, and, and going right down into the draw was, was, was the other uh, five million, so I loped Nanner over there, and I, man, I got them turned just in time, and I got them pushing back in this direction, and, and they're going nice, and I looked over, and that other one had turned around, and they were going back the other way again. So I ran over there and got them, and, and, and I'm still fighting a stud, and Nanner's kind of going crazy because this stud's trying to bite him and kick him, and I was wishing I had a 357. I would have got fired, but it would have been a lot easier. I don't shoot me a stud. And so I, I got those turned, and, and this went on for like probably 20 minutes. I mean, I just never could get them back together, and, and especially when you've got a stud and these other mares running around. It, it, was, like, it was like trying to herd birds. Okay, and, and so anyway, I, I loped over here, and, and each time these two groups they just got further and further apart, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna lose, I'm gonna lose all of them eventually. And so I, I mean, Nanner, he he he's in a lather now, and and I lope over there to this one group that's trying to duck back in behind me, and I got them turned, and, and they had just kind of been walking, kind of trotting everywhere, and now I look, and something has spooked them, and I mean, though that other group of sheep are nine owing it towards that draw, and I'm like, it's done. I've lost them. I mean, it took me 45 minutes just to cross the draw, much less try to gather sheep out of it. And I was like, oh, here we go. And I mean, you know, it's like watching a car wreck. He's like, well, here it goes. I'm just going to sit here and watch it. There's nothing I can do about it now. And all of a sudden, those lead sheep, they went, and they stopped. And I was like, wow, that was pretty cool. And up out of the draw comes my dad. And he's like, y'all turn around. And he turned them around, and about that time I had these going, and we got them right back to where they were supposed to go. And I looked at him, and I was like, man, you showed up right in the nick of time. And he goes, it's because I'm a cowboy, son. <laughs> I was like, okay, if you're through patting yourself on the back, you know, appreciate the help. And uh, he said, you know I'll always be there for you, kid. And I said, well, you definitely were today. And so he drops back down off in the draw, and he goes over there where he's supposed to go. He said, I just hadn't seen you, so I come to check on you. And I mean, it was perfect timing right there. Today we're going to talk about what would Jesus do. We're ending a three-part series. First week we talked about doing the unexpected. How Jesus did things just blow people's mind. Last week we talked about how He would show off. This week, in our series of what would Jesus do, we're going to talk about how He would show us how to be cowboys. The first thing that we're going to talk about is exactly what Dad did right there. Jesus... He's right there when you need Him, and, that, and that's what cowboys do. There's been time and time again that not just with sheep, but with cattle or anything like that. Uh, not too long ago, uh, I, I was in Parker doing something, and I happened to call Jared. And I was like, hey, what are you doing? He goes, I sure am glad you called. I said, what's up? He goes, I'm on Singing Hills, and I broke an axle on a trailer, and I've got seven horses in the trailer. We're going to have to ride them all back. So we had a pack string of bronks just going out across uh, back in there and everything like that. But he was like, man, it was so awesome that you called just at the right moment. Well, that wasn't me. That was God. But cowboys have a knack of being right there whenever you need somebody. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, the Bible says this, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. He's right there when you need Him. 
We could all learn a lesson from for being there when somebody else needs us. And, G, and, and God says it right there in the first part of Genesis chapter 28, verse 15. He says, I am with you and I will watch over you wherever you go. You know what? Jesus is definitely a cowboy that you can count on. He'll always be there no matter how rough life gets. And I know that a lot of times we go through these problems and, and it just seems like we're alone. But how many times have, have we had this problem and all of a sudden when we think that we are at our wit's end, that, that we can't go on any longer, and then all of a sudden God comes through and He opens up some gates and automatically, and, and when I say automatically, sometimes that automatically takes some time. But all of a sudden things start turning around. And you can look back and see that God had your back the entire time. Jesus is a cowboy that you can count on. He wants to help you, but most of us think that we can handle everything. How many times do you do that? How many cowboys in here, and I guarantee you I'm fixing to have a bunch of wives go like this and look at their husband or their boyfriend or whoever and go, uh-huh. I am the world's worst about asking for help. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're moving a sea container with a dolly. It's like, no, I got it. I don't need no help. I can take care of this. But God wants to help you. How many times have we heard that old saying, well, all we can do now is just pray. Well, that's dumb. We should have been praying about it to begin with, don't you think? I mean, think about that. People are, well, we've done all we can do. Now all we can do is pray. Oh, boy, you should have been praying to begin with. Jesus is a cowboy that you can count on. But let me give you a word of warning. And if any of you has ever worked cattle or sheep or, or whatever with an old cowboy, they're a lot more concerned with your growth than your comfort. And Jesus is the same way. He doesn't really, he, he's not as concerned about how comfortable you are. What he cares about is how much you're growing. Now think about that. A lot of times he allows us to go through hard times so that He can show off God's power, so that He can be there in the nick of time, so that He can help you, so that the next time you'll be able to breeze through that. I know a lot of people, you know, they're just like, I don't know why, and, and we talked about it a, a couple of months ago, why won't Jesus just take care of our problems? Why won't He just snap His fingers? Because then we don't learn anything. What would Jesus do? He'd show us how to be real cowboys. He'd show them how to be a cowboy and be there when somebody needs you. How many times have you... Have you run across somebody. We were, I was driving down the road one day, and, and I don't, pardon me, I don't remember exactly who said it, but uh, right after we got here, we was heading off somewhere, and I was driving, and as I was coming into Franktown, and there was a car parked on the side of the road with a flat, and there was a lady sitting there, and she just was sitting there, and I went right past. And you know whenever God starts talking to you, and he's like, go ahead, turn around. I don't want to change a flat, God. I didn't ask you if you wanted to change a flat. All right. I got out and I walked up there like this. And then I got up to the truck and I was like, you need some help, ma'am? She rolled down her window. She goes, yes, where are you from? <laughs> well, I'm from Texas. So we changed her flat. But you know what? Sometimes to make a difference, because I was talking to somebody and they said, you changed a friend of mine's flat one time. She asked me what I did. I said, well, I kind of talk up there at the cowboy church every Sunday. And she goes, well, I appreciate you stopping. And, and, and you know, just pay it forward. Be there when somebody needs you. It's easy to show the love of God that way. One day I was riding, going to check on some cattle and everything, and got up there and, and uh, we had a water leak and ended up, you know, a, a cowboy can fix anything with, with a little bit of baling wire and maybe some, some hay string and a little bit of bubble gum or something like that. They made MacGyver after watching a cowboy work for a while. And uh, anyway, I was there a lot longer than, than I wanted to be, and I knew I had about a two-hour ride home, and it was already getting dark. Now, finding my way home is one thing. Being able to see all the pitfalls and everything is another thing. And, and so whenever I started riding, 
we were going along, and I mean, I, I knew where the house was and everything, but you know, couldn't see no barbed wire fences or, or anything like that. I kind of knew where they were, but I just had to allow that horse. That horse could see things that I couldn't. So I was riding along, and, and even at a walk, if you have never ridden a horse in, I mean, just nearly absolute pitch black where you can't see the, the horse's head in front of you, you better sit there and ride because you never know when they're going to booger at something or, or go around something. And, and a lot of times, I, and I know whenever I was learning to ride and even whenever my kids were learning to ride, instead of just pointing a horse in the right direction, they wanted to drive a horse like a car. You know, exactly, we got to go exactly this way and exactly that way and just you know, point them in the right direction and let's go. So that's what I did. I pointed them in the right direction. And I mean, we was going along and every once in a while I'd kind of get tired a little bit. And, dun, 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 and they'd go like this and I'd nearly fall off. In Genesis chapter 28, verse 15, once again, he says, I am with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go. But the second part of that sentence says, and I will bring you back to this land. What would Jesus do? He'd show people the way home. He's the only one that knows where you need to go. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through the Son. Some people think that being a Christian is hard, but you know what? I say that, that, that following Jesus is like riding a horse. God wants to take you home. And it's by His power that He takes us home. And all we have to do is sit up there and stay right there with Him. Jesus would show people a better way. Here's a tough question that whenever I wrote this, I had to sit there and I had to ponder it for a while. Are you following Jesus where Jesus wants you to go? Or are you going the way you want to go and you're trying to drag Jesus along behind you? You know, like those old movies on, uh, you know, where, where they've got the prisoner and they've got him dallied off and they've got him like this and he's getting drugged behind the horse and everything. Some of us, that's the way we picture Jesus. Jesus, I want to go this way. I want to, I want to be with you, but I'm going to drag you in the direction that I want to go. And then whenever things go wrong, I have somebody easy to blame. I just don't know why my life isn't going the way that it's supposed to. Are you following Jesus? Or are you trying to drag him with you where you would like to go? It is when we don't know the way where we are too tired to ride or too hurt to function that he takes us the furthest. Everybody remember the movie True Grit? At the end of that great John, uh, John Wayne film, right after he puts the, uh, the reins in his teeth and he goes out there and he's shooting like this and everything, and if you're ever a cowboy, you've been by yourself and you've tried that before, haven't you? <laughs> Nobody knew that, did they? But you've tried it. I, I know you have. You're like, I wonder how, I wonder how you did that. Yeah, I know. I know. But at the end of that movie, the, the girl has been bit by a snake and he finds her and, and he tries to help her, but he knows that he's got to go get her help. She's too hurt to ride. She can't hardly even function. He puts her up on his horse and he rides as hard as he can. He ends up killing the horse, getting her to where she can find what she needs so that somebody can help her. God wants to do that for our lives. He wants us to give up and just say, Jesus, you take me where you want me to go because I know you know the way and if I stay here, I'm just going to die. It's time that we can't quit trying to drag Jesus along and we just saddle up and go, you know what? I'm going to shuck you the reins and you, you take me where you want me to go. I'm tired of trying to drag you where I want you to go. Only then, when you start following Jesus, will you find true happiness. I know that whenever God called me up here, and if this is your first time here, um, I, won't, I won't bore everybody else with the, with the whole story, but you know, we knew God was calling us up here, and I looked at God and I said, you know how hard I've worked on this ranch to have my own place? I've got an arena in the backyard, and I've got everything, so you know what, God, I, you know, I know you're calling me to Colorado, but you know, this is my dream, and you said that you would give me, you'd give me the desires of my heart, so I appreciate that. I'll just stay here. Thank you. And Jesus kept saying, come on, come on. 
But when I gave my life to God, I told Him, I said, I will go where you want me to go, I'll say what you want me to say, and I'll do what you will have me to do. And He called my bluff. And so, kind of like changing a tire. I was like, okay, I'll go to Colorado. I'm going to be cold, I'm going to blame my wife for it. And I tell you, that my dreams that I had in Kinosa, Texas, don't compare to the dreams that God has given me up here. No longer do I follow my dreams. I have made God my dream, and I'll follow wherever He leads. What would Jesus do? He'd show them how to be a cowboy and showing someone a better way to do things. There's a lesson that we can learn in that. Can you, just like Jared talked about, in your own lives, each and every one of you are ministers of God if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And He commands you. He has placed it upon you to go out and spread the Word of God. You don't have to become a, a, a preacher or anything like that. Live your life for Him and just let God, God's light shine through you exactly where you're at. Show people a better way. I had been a preacher for about two years, and there was a man named John Denatali. John was a homeless man, and he basically, and I, I'm not being rude whenever I say this, but John basically lived off of the kindness of others. And whenever his welcome would get worn out at one place, he'd move to another place. And then when his welcome would get worn out there, he'd move to another place. And he just kept this up, and basically in Stockton, he, got, he basically ran out of places to go, so he was going to move to Alpine, which was about 70 miles away. And he had to be out of his apartment by December 31st. Since John didn't know anybody else, and we had baptized John, he called and he said, hey, I don't have a vehicle, I don't have a truck, I don't have a trailer, I don't have anything. Could you help me move to Alpine? So at the time, I was working in Odessa all the time, so I spent my weekend moving John to Alpine. And whenever I got up that morning, the first thing I did is I walked to the bathroom and I threw my guts up. I was so, so sick. On the way to Fort Stockton, 30 miles away, I had to pull over on the side of the road and throw up again. And we had to move him, and it was just going to be me and John and Christy and Riley and Griffin moving this guy's stuff. And John had had cancer and had colon cancer, and he couldn't lift anything. I got there, and, I, and I'll never forget, over and over in my mind, I kept hearing a, a voice say in my head, just, just say you can't do it. He'll understand. And some, for some reason... I just kept thinking, you know what, I told this man, he didn't have anybody else, and I told this man that I would help him. And so I helped him, and I remember we, we loaded this couch that uh, was made out of uh, solid lead, and, and we, had, we had like basically just drug it out there, and by this time, I mean, I put that couch in that horse trailer that's sitting right out there, I put that couch in there and leaned over and threw up right beside the trailer. That's how sick I was. On the way to Alpine, I threw up twice. I'm talking, I, I couldn't stop, but I did, and I'm not trying for anybody to pat me on the back or anything like that, because there was a time in my life that I'd have just said, you know what, <laughs> sorry about this, buddy, but mm, I ain't going to be able to help you. I'm throwing up, because th th does anybody else in here, when I throw up the space-time continuum, rips in half, the world's foundation shakes, and I'm the biggest weenie that ever walked the face of the earth. I, you can cut off my hand and I'll be like, rub some dirt on it. I throw up. I'm like, oh honey, I'm throwing up. <laughs> so this was a big deal for me. The last sentence in John 28, 15 says, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. The third thing that we're going to talk about, one of the great qualities that cowboys are known for is keeping their word. Jesus always kept his word. He did what He said He was going to do. Jesus said He would never leave us nor forsake us. When we don't feel Him, it isn't because He isn't there. Feelings have a way of getting in the way of faith. 
I remember one night I had, I had had a just, I mean, has anybody ever felt like they're dying from a thousand cuts? It's not one injury that seems to be draining you. It's just a thousand or a million paper cuts that you just bleed a little bit out of. And I was going through that spiritually. Whenever I went and worked on that sheep ranch, I didn't get paid. I basically worked two days for two colts. I didn't get one of the colts. He re he went back on his word, but I did get one horse. And this horse was a two-year-old mare, and when we loaded her in the trailer, was the first time she'd ever been in a pen and had ever seen a human. You talk about rank. Whenever I went out there to break her, I mean, I bet I threw a thousand hula hands at her, and she would just try to jump the fence. I mean, she was as wild as they came. And even whenever I got my hands on her and started messing with her and everything like that, when you walked into a pen, this horse would go to the back corner and crawl up on top of a T-post to get away from you and look at you. Well, that night... I was having a really, really hard time. And I found myself walking out to Clementine's pen. And I sat on the edge of a horse trough. And me and God had a heart-to-heart. And I told God, I said, you know what? You said that you would never leave us nor forsake us. But I'm telling you what, God, I'm not saying that you're not there. I'm just telling you, even I'm a pastor and I cannot feel you anywhere in my life. I have no idea if you're over here, if you're over there, if you're behind me, in front of me. I'm going blind here. I need your help. And I feel like you've shucked out on me. And I said, if you could just give me, not a sign so that I'll believe, I already believe, but if somehow you could just lay it on my heart that you're there. Had my head bowed sitting on the rim of a horse trough, an old steel horse trough. And I had my head bowed like this. And all of a sudden I felt a little breath. And I looked up and there was Clementine. And I reached up and I petted her right on the muzzle. And she nuzzled my shoulder and turned around and went back to the corner of the pen. And I said, thank you, God. I knew you were there. Some of you are going through that same thing right now. You you believe, you want to follow Him, but you have no idea where He's at. I'm here to tell you that God always keeps His Word. He said that He would never leave us nor forsake us. And in Genesis 28, 15, He says, I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. He promised to give you an abundant life. He promised to never leave you. He promised to take your burdens. And sometimes... We don't feel Him. But just because we don't feel Him doesn't mean that He's not there. Jesus also said that He has prepared a place for us. This isn't heaven down here, guys. Quit getting mad at God for the consequences of our sinful lives. People have this misconception that whenever you start following God, that suddenly everything's going to be, you know, French kissing unicorns and eating Skittles. It ain't like that, guys. Now, I mean, it's an abundant life. But I guarantee you that when you start following God, you're going to go through that valley of the shadow of death that David talked about. Remember, God is more concerned with our growth than with our comfort. Jesus said that we are forgiven of our sins if we will believe in Him and ride for Him. Jesus said that He'd forgive you. Don't you think it's time that you should forgive yourselves? We've all got that one little thing back there in our mind that we just can't let go of. Jesus said it's been forgiven. And when we don't forgive ourselves, we look upon that cross with Jesus nailed up there and we tell Him, you know what, God, I appreciate all that, you dying for my sins and everything, but you can't have this one. Your death on the cross wasn't good enough for this sin. I'm going to hang on to it. It's time that we let God keep His Word. He's forgiven us. He wants you to have an abundant life. He never said that you would have an easy, greasy, lazy boy watching cartoons on TV kind of life. Start following Him. Let him do what he said he would do. What would Jesus do? He'd show us how cowboys and cowgirls are supposed to act. He'd show us how to be there for others when they're in need. He'd show someone the way to a better life. And he'd do what he said he would do. Will you? Can you start keeping your word? 
When you say you're going to do something, are you going to do it? When you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you give your life to Him. Have you taken it back away from Him? Maybe we all need to learn a little lesson about keeping. Isn't it time that you trusted in the greatest cowboy of all time and started living like a cowboy should? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the cowboys and cowgirls that are here today. And, and Lord, I just know that you've reached out and you've touched someone. You didn't, you didn't jerk on their mouths or anything like that. You just came and you just stood beside them and said, I haven't left. I'm right here and I know what you're going through. And I will fulfill my promises. But you have to keep your word and follow me because I'm not going to follow you. Your job is to follow. Lord, help us, starting today, to rededicate our lives, to giving Him the reins and just saying, you know what, God, Your will be done, not mine. And help us to persevere in our faith and to persevere in our ride. Lord, it's in Your name that we all pray. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand. Alright, y'all listen up. We wouldn't have been able to do this today if it wasn't for these fine businesses. Tumbleweed Hay, 303-324-8217. WesternLLC.net for all your commercial construction projects. Look East Realty, 303-644-4444, the best in eastern Colorado. If you need burrowing, rodent control, or no-till drilling, you gotta call Comanche Creek Enterprises, 303-619-7030. And finally, contact Double H Heating and Air at 303-669-8911. They know how to heat you up and cool you off. If you need more information, go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors.